postmodern and post-Christian are both terms that the, the church seriously needs to retire. We're going to the world to tell them who we are, and we're not going to the world to present who God is. A world in which so much is focused on building walls and keeping people out. An alternative way to live is to live by... It's almost like raising a white flag and saying, Ah! It's all the secular people's fault and no one's listening or coming to our evangelistic campaign. How can we redesign Adventism to be effective at reaching emerging Western culture? That's what the Story Church podcast is all about. Adventism Redesigned. Hey everyone, it's Pastor Marcus here. Welcome back to another episode of the Story Church Podcast. Super stoked to be sharing with you guys the five key things people are searching for in a church. That's today's episode, five key things people are searching for in a church. And uh, I'm going to be exploring those in a minute. But before I begin, I wanted to take some time uh, to thank all of the Story Church Project patrons. Now, I know I do this all the time, and maybe it's uh, getting a bit annoying. Uh, you might be uh, headed toward the fast forward button right now, but I have to do this, guys, because uh, I really do appreciate all the patrons that help the Story Church Project. Uh, you guys have no idea how helpful it is and also encouraging to have people who are saying, hey, we believe in what's happening here and we want to support it and, and help it thrive. And so if look, if you're interested and you think, hey, I love what the Story Church Project is doing um, and you want to help me to, to keep doing it and also to do more, there's a lot of really cool ideas that I have. Uh, just go over to the um, patreon.com slash the story church project and you can find all the instructions there. It'll take like less than a minute to read. Um, and yeah, it's all there like in plain English. Um, yeah, so thank you guys again. Those of you who have said, hey, yes, we, we love what you're doing. We want to support it. It means a lot to me and it has enabled me to do quite a bit more over the last few months. Um, so thank you guys. Uh, also, for those of you who haven't had a chance I don't know what you're waiting for. Make sure you head over to thestorychurchproject.com and get yourself a free copy of the ebook. Right? Um, and this is uh, How to Study the Bible with Postmoderns. Now, this is huge because in that book, I teach not only the, the key principles for studying the Bible with postmoderns, but really for studying the Bible with anyone. Uh, uh, in my personal experience as a pastor, as someone who loves interacting with unchurched people, um, these are the principles that I have found work so well anywhere you are. Uh, if you can study the Bible with someone who's secular and unchurched, you can pre pretty much study the Bible with anyone. Um, and so what I've done is I tell a lot of stories in this book. I share a lot of a lot of stories, a lot of personal experiences. Uh, really poured my heart into that one because I want to communicate some of these really simple but super overlooked keys on how to study the Bible with anyone, anywhere, anytime. Um, particularly focusing on sort of the postmodern uh, world, which is um, which is sort of the cultural milieu that we currently exist in. It's changing, and it's changing really fast. It's been changing for some time. Um, but if I use some of the modern phrases that people are using, uh, you'd look at the book title and be like, "What in the world is that?" So I use postmodern because at least there's a sense in which we can um, there's a, there's a sense in which we're vaguely familiar with that term. Uh, not as not the same as if I were to title the book, you know, how to study the Bible with meta moderns, then <laughs> I don't know if anybody would download that because it's like, what is that? Anyway, um, so yeah, 
check that out guys if you haven't had a chance to yet you definitely don't want to miss that one just another few things uh before we dive in i'm also currently in the process of releasing or getting getting the um bible study series that i wrote designed um, now, how to study the Bible with postmoderns gives you the overall principles of how to study with secular people. But um, I've actually written a full-on Bible study guide that I've been using for the last five years that teaches the 28 fundamental beliefs of the Adventist church. And it frames them in a way that makes it simple and easy to interact with secular people. Now, like I said, I, I des I've designed this Bible study series over the last five years. I've been using it and editing and then use again and then edit again and then use it again and edit again uh, until I finally arrived at a sort of like um, at a final product, so to speak. Um, and I think, you know, if I just keep editing it, uh, I'll be here my whole life. So I I'm pretty comfortable now, though, to say, I think this is ready to go live. I think it's ready to go public. Um, however, the only thing I have are these plain text files. And so uh, I'm not a designer. Uh, so I've got a designer who's currently working on those. But guys, it costs a lot of money, man. It costs a lot of money to get this thing and make it look slick and cool and, and, and something that you'd be proud to sort of print out and share with your friends. Um, trust me, you don't want my plain text Microsoft Word file. Um, the content's great, but the presentation has to be pretty, you know, it has to be slick as well. Uh, so I've got someone currently working on it, but like I said, it's pretty expensive. Um, so if you would love to see that Bible study series, you'd love to jump on the storychurchpride.com and download it and print them out or get the hard copy as well. Um, it's going to cost a lot of money to get there. So once again, just another reason to head over to patreon.com slash the storychurchproject. And for this particular um, thing, this Bible study set, it, the one time, I'd say the one time donations are probably way better than the Patreon options. And that information is there as well. Um, so check it out. And if you'd like to make that thing happen and you'd love to have that set as well and be able to use it in the future, help me make it a reality. And, um, you know, you can send me a private message and I can explain a little bit more to you if you have some questions or just whatever you have. If you say, you know, hey, the Lord inspired me um, with this particular amount. I hope you can use it to um, to to bring this set to life. Uh, then you know, go ahead and do that as well. Um, I'm really excited about it, and uh, like I said, I've been using this Bible study set for five years now, and it's been a brilliant, brilliant opportunity to um, to learn because it it really what it does is it sets a really good foundation for conversations to flow. Uh, and so that's what this Bible study set's all about. And I'm currently using it again. I'm currently using it right now. I'm studying the Bible with a few secular guys um, who are really, really connecting with it and really well. And I'm also doing. I'm also studying the Bible with a lady who's um, Jehovah's Witness, and she's really loving it. She's like, "Wow, like this stuff is starting to come together and make sense." And um, so, yeah. Um, if you guys want to see that come to life, give me a hand, and uh, we can make it happen. Okay enough of the um advertising i guess you would call that promotion stuff commercial uh let me dive into the five key things people are searching for in a church now here's the question how can you get your church to grow that's the question and what i want to do is i want to tell you the five key things that all experts are raving about that will totally transform your church. But first, let me tell you a quick story. So this past weekend, I had my second church plant gathering with my core team. Um, if you are completely unfamiliar with that story, I am in the process right now of planting a church uh, with the objective of reaching secular culture. 
Um, and so this weekend's gathering, the, the purpose of the gathering was to create a vision board. Uh, and, and we wanted to sort of compile all these pictures of the kind of church that we would like to see. And so people came along and they brought their printed pictures and um, they would stand at the front um, of the group. It was in, in my living room and just share, right? And so I was like, here's the picture that I want to put on the vision board and here's what, what it means to me and here's what I would love to see. Now, here's the thing. None of us in this room are church growth gurus. And trust me, in case you've ever had any doubt, despite the fact that I talk about church culture a lot, I am an amateur at this conversation, and um, I'm proud of that. I'm definitely not a guru. Uh, but I was blown away that every person in the team who shared their heart instinctively repeated the five keys for church growth that I've been reading experts talking about for years. And, and what's amazing about these five keys is not, not simply what they include, but also what they leave out. So without further ado, here are the five key things um, that the, the experts are raving about and that this group of non-experts just instinctively um, brought up. And these are five key things that people say, hey, any church who has a good balance of these five key things is going to grow. So the first one, meaningful community. Now, by meaningful community, what is meant is a church that is more than just a weekend club. Now, most churches are nothing more than weekend clubs. And so, boom, that's it your church is not going to grow, right? And it's that simple. And, and that's the, I think that's the funny thing. Like people are always looking for like this sexy answer. Like what's the, uh, you know, um, the, the secret, the formula, the sauce. Like there isn't any. Like a meaningful community is a church that is more than just a weekend club. And already in that first sentence, we're talking about something miles ahead of what most local Adventist churches are doing. And so people in this kind of church actually care for each other more than just a, I have a concern for that person or I know that person. Um, but there's, there's a sense in which they really pray for each other by name, specifically. Uh, they serve each other in specific ways. They do life together throughout the week. Uh, they cry together. They laugh together. They celebrate wins and they mourn losses as one family. This is a meaningful community, right? It's one that occupies such a beautiful place in your life that you don't want to miss out on being with one another. And, and when someone's missing, everyone notices, right? Like that's, that's meaningful community. And this is one of the themes that came up repeatedly during our vision board uh, experience was people really craving a, a meaningful community. Now, the second one was active discipleship. Um, and this is basically having a church culture that focuses on transforming lives through the gospel. So it's not about church growth or tacking on a pretty number of baptisms each year. Um, now, baptisms are awesome, yes. But the real goal is for anyone at any stage of life to come in and not only feel like they belong, but be able to go on a journey of growth from wherever they are to a fully committed follower of Jesus whose entire life is redefined by the kingdom of God. And everyone's a part of this, right? Like the pastor is on this growth journey as well as the new believer. Like we're all together journeying toward Jesus and his kingdom call. And so this is active discipleship. And again, here is one area that many of our churches lack. And it's not that complicated, guys. And I wish, you know, like if I could make a poster or a story church project t-shirt, and maybe one day I will, um, it would be something along the lines of like, it's not that complicated to grow your church, 
right? It's so simple. And like everything I keep reading and experiencing as a pastor is the same stuff. It's like just real simple things. And and, and so like I've said in previous episodes, uh, one of my local churches, like we have a, a constant influx of guests who are always coming, right? Um, and it's happening and we, it's not like we're doing anything, you know, like we don't have a state of the art building. It's kind of old and ugly. And we, (laughs) we're always talking about what we can do to make it prettier. Um, but it's not any of that stuff. It's just, we just changed a few things to make the community more meaningful, to love each other more, to care for each other more, to disciple each other better. And just those few little changes and there's already like this massive shift. And so that's that's the point that I like want to reiterate over and over again. Like it doesn't take as much as people often assume it takes. Um, the third one. So that's the first two, right? Meaningful community, active discipleship. And these were ideas that were shared a lot during our session together um, at our church plant meeting on this past Sabbath. Uh, another one that came up repeatedly was this idea of authentic worship. Now, authentic worship is something that transcends the tired worship war debates. Um, And if you're still caught up in the worship wars, let me tell you, you're like 20 years (laughs) behind. Like, um, let's move past that, right? it's, It's not about telling people that there's only one way to worship or about trying to put together slick worship sessions with fog machines and lasers and, you know, spinning strobe lights. Um, This this is about pouring our hearts out to God in a safe place where we can be vulnerable, real, and open. Like that's authentic worship, right? Style of music matters less in this space than the heart of our worship. So in this space, we want to sing together, kids included, by integrating everyone and and showering our God with thankful praise as as one voice. And it is also a church that prioritizes prayer and, and where everyone's Bibles are falling apart from use, right? This is what we mean by authentic worship. Now, I'm not, you know, going to exaggerate or or risk being misunderstood here. I'm not saying that there's something wrong with having a modern style of worship or that that's a pointless conversation to have. Um, I think it's, you know, if the community in which you reside and the context in which you reside, that's a style of worship that's natural and people connect with it and understand it, then fine. The point I'm making is that it's, it's way deeper than that, right? Like, you can't revive worship just by throwing on a cool band. It's it's way bigger than that. And, and it's about those principles and those elements that I've just mentioned. So if you forgot them, just go back. <laughs> I'm not going to repeat them. Um, so yeah, so that's three, three things right there. Meaningful community, active discipleship, authentic worship. Um, now, another one that came up a lot in our meeting was outward focus. And this was repeated over and over again. And, and it was repeated kind of in this question. Why is it so hard for local churches to actually be local churches? (laughs) Um, Now, here's the thing. Like, as a local church, as a church plant that is just beginning to emerge, our focus or or our vision is not just to have this spatio-temporal location with an address in our city, but to actually be a light in that city, to transform that community, to have a voice and change statistics in those neighborhoods, a presence that matters because it's designed from the ground up to focus outwardly instead of inwardly. And I've said this again before, but um, you know, 
my wife and I, we've visited quite a few churches, you know, especially in the early years, we were trying to wrap our heads around this whole church thing. And we're meeting lots of people in churches who are saying, oh, yeah, it's so hard to reach secular people. And it's so hard to reach post-church society, blah, blah, blah. Um, and then we asked them, like, all right, so what are you guys doing? You know, talk to us about your church and your ministries. And it's like they're not doing anything different than what they'd been doing for the previous hundred years, right? And, and for me, that was a shock because it's like, okay, if you guys are sitting here and saying, well, in the last three years, we've innovated this and we've innovated that and we've tweaked this and we've tweaked that and we've tried this new approach and we've read all of these books to try and understand where we're headed and how we can, you know, shift and adapt and, and, and you know, um, con contextualize the gospel and, and the methods that we use. And we tried all that and people just not responding. Then I would be like, oh my goodness, you know, like what have we gotten ourselves into here? But instead, every church we went to, it was like the same thing. Oh yeah, so we have a Pathfinder club. And by the way, I love Pathfinders, not knocking Pathfinders. Um, not knocking anything I'm about to say, but it's just the same things, right? Oh, so we have a Pathfinder club and, you know, we have our Sabbath school in the morning and, you know, Wednesday night we have a prayer meeting and, and I'm like, okay, we've been doing that for a hundred years and clearly it's not working. So can we try something else? Um, and that's the thing, right? Um, I think that's the challenge that many of us have. Uh, and to tie that into this idea of outward focus is that we tend to repeat these activities that we've been doing for the last hundred years. And then like the community around us isn't even integrated into those. So it's like, okay, how's our Pathfinder Club making this community a better piece of the world, right? How's our Sabbath school making this community a better piece of the world? How's our Wednesday night prayer meeting ministering to the needs of the people in this community? In fact, do we even know what those needs are? That's the point I'm making, right? So we, we repeat the same things over and over again. Um, and we miss out. We miss out on actually being outward focused and designing our church from the ground up to be outward focused. Okay, so one more. Uh, that was number four. So here's the last one. Here's number five. And again, you can you can look at these and you can already see like, okay, yep, you know, my church definitely, you know, we, we definitely are not a meaningful community. We're more like a Saturday morning club. And we don't have a discipleship pathway in our church. You know, a guest comes in and it's like, yeah, just go to that Sabbath school over there and hopefully you follow the lesson, right? There's no discipleship plan. Um, authentic worship is, you know, it's it's more traditional worship or contemporary worship, but authentic, uh, you know, outward focus. Yeah, no, we definitely focus on ourselves. Um, and, and you can see these, like, they're really simple, right? You can look at them and, and sort of gauge, all right, where are you as a church? You can see where the lack is. And so the last one is outward. I'm sorry, not outward focus. I already read that one. Um, the last one is Jesus-centered evangelism. Now, this is the kind of church where everything's about Jesus. He's the center of the story we tell, and he's the center of the life we live. We want Jesus to be the core of everything that we do and say. Now, this is a church that goes beyond propositional doctrines and into the living, active, and beautiful life Jesus is calling us to, right? And it's the kind of church that welcomes the lost, the broken, the rejected, and, and essentially says Jesus is for everyone. Uh, to borrow from church planter Larry Krauss, this is a church that exists, and I quote, for those not here yet, end quote. Thanks, Larry. That's a really cool line. Anyways, that's it, guys. That's it. I mean... Those are the five key things that everyone mentioned. And, and and like I said before, these are the five key things that people are looking for when they come to church everywhere. 
Like, this is the stuff that people are searching for. This is the stuff that people are thirsting for, you know? Uh, take it, take it easy with, you know, the, the $50,000 AV equipment. I mean, praise God that you got some good audio, but it's not that serious, man. Like not if you're doing that at the expense of a discipleship plan or a meaningful community or an outward focus. Right. Um, and that's the thing, like no one in our group, by the way, it's a group composed of modern, young, innovative, and cool Gen Zers, uh, sorry, Gen Xers and millennials, uh, <clears throat> None of them mentioned a super cool stage. None of them mentioned like this lit band or pastor in skinny jeans, although yes, I do still wear those. Um, and none of them asked for a giant budget or a watered down gospel or a copy and paste of Hillsong. Um, now I'm not saying Hillsong's bad, right? Hello guys. Um, or any of that other stuff except watered down gospel, I guess that is pretty bad. Um, but what I am saying is that all the things we normally associate with a growing church, with a thriving church, they're not really what people are looking for. They, they tend to linger on the surface. Instead, people are searching for something infinitely more profound and it's also free. I mean, think about it. They're searching for real friendship that doesn't cost money. They're searching for real faith that doesn't cost money. They're searching for a real God that doesn't cost money. They're searching for real purpose that points to a real story that transforms, redefines, and metamorphs their life. It doesn't cost money. So here's my question for you today. How is your local church doing in these five areas? And what can you do to help it thrive? Share your comments, guys. You know, comment on thestorychurchproject.com where this article is published or on SoundCloud as well. Comment there or send me an email. I don't know, whatever, on Facebook. Just let me know. How is your church doing in these five areas? What can we do to help it thrive? Let's work together as we keep redesigning adventism for mission all right guys i'm gonna stop there but before i go i gotta let you know that next week i am publishing an amazing interview and you don't want to miss it it's titled lost art of evangelism all right the lost art of evangelism you don't want to miss that guys i got a guest coming on who wrote a super cool article for Lightbearers titled The Lost Art of Evangelism. And I'm interviewing her on that article because it is fire, guys. So you don't want to miss it. Make sure you don't miss that episode and let your friends know, hey, there's a cool episode coming up on the Story Church podcast. You got to check it out, Lost Art of Evangelism. Um, so that's my promo for next week. Okay, guys, thank you again for hanging out and I'll catch you next time.